Fulhamish is back for the season by Labrooks. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello and welcome to an emergency Fulham podcast. We are the independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James. And while we didn't plan on doing a podcast again this week, but events have happened and we need to discuss them. This morning, Slavisa Kanovic was let go by Fulham and instantly Claudio Ranieri was his replacement. Here, I've assembled the troops, cobbled them together. Ben Jarman's here. Hello, Sammy. Jack Collins is here. Hello, listeners. And as a special treat, Dean Jones is here. Sad circumstances, but nice to see you all. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for being here. Well, uh, so much to discuss today. Uh, just to say this season, Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes. For exclusive specials and promotions, head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. And really, we're just going to react to the news. We've not really had that many hours to process it, but we've had a little bit of time to ponder and think and work out where Fulham really goes from here. Uh, ben, I'll start with you. Your, your instant reaction this morning at about 9.30 when you saw our WhatsApp group and it just exploded. Just disbelief from my point of view. I was, I'm really sad to see him go because I've quite loved, I've quite come to love Slav over the past two and a half years. I've loved everything he's done with the club. It's just this last sort of six or seven weeks that have really been his downfall and I think that will cloud everyone's judgment. But me on a personal level... As I said, I've loved everything he's done with us. Transformed us from a, a really identityless team to a one of the teams that had applauded from all across Europe last season and now a Premier League team. Yeah, Dean, that seems to be a lot of the theme today. Whilst people are interested in the way that Claudio's going to revolutionise this Fulham team and try and put his stamp on stuff, really a lot of it has been thanking Slav for the contribution he made to Fulham. He took us from relegation fodder in the championship and within two and a half years has turned us into a Premier League side that played some of the best swashbuckling football that I remember ever as a Fulham fan. Absolutely and I agree and that's what's most disappointing for me is the fact that the club haven't really given us time to mourn Jakanovic because if you think of the kind of football we were putting up with under Kit Simons and, and all that kind of era and the kind of players that we've been left with it was awful. You know, I wasn't looking forward to going to Fulham on match days and that's that's not a good time to be in. And then Jakanovic came in and from almost day one, you could see that he was trying to implement this new style of football. Um, the players weren't capable of putting it into place, but they were trying to pass the ball from the back and stuff. And we took positivity from that straight away. And I think everyone bought into it and it took a while, but slowly the pieces fell into place and he started to get players that could do the jobs that he wanted. And um, slowly but surely, we found ourselves suddenly at Wembley for the best day of our lives. And it's just such a shame that here we are already in the Premier League saying goodbye to him because um, I just felt that the Southampton game, at least he deserved that one more game to give himself a bit of a chance to turn yeah. things around. 100%. And I was a bit blindsided by the news this morning, Jack. By the way, lovely to have you. You know, I know you've been so in demand today <laughs> with various media appearances. He was on TalkSport at 11. He's been on BT Sport. He's been Celebrity Big today. Brother at one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got an invite to the jungle yeah, as well. I, um, going as Harry Redknapp. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've gone in Harry Redknapp's stead. But no, I've, I've had to turn that down for this. I don't know why I was blindsided so much. A manager that's lost six in a row 
we should always be expecting him to be sacked. But I really believed he was going to be given that Southampton game. But clearly, the club have seen a different way of going with it. And actually, when you look at it in hindsight, it probably is the best time to get rid of the visa if that's what they wanted. Well, yeah, exactly. You take this is the last international break before March, right? So if you're going to give a new manager that kind of time, a mini pre-season, if you will, to get to know a squad and, and really get into them before an exceptionally busy Christmas period, let's put it that way, you know, you can't really sack someone in March. Well, I mean, plenty of people do, but the chances are that the game's up by that point. You're, you're looking towards last-minute miracles already at that given point. So if things didn't improve, we would have been stuck. And there's a lot of people saying they'd have rather gone down with Slav than, than not you know, then stayed up playing bad football. There is something to be said that Slav hasn't signed a new contract. He hadn't until today, and it would have cost him, I reckon, a hefty sum, a good kind of couple of million, I reckon, if if he ha- for not signing that contract, which he was should have signed in the summer. And, you know, there are plenty of reasons for that. But if we'd gone down again, there's nothing to say that Slav wouldn't have walked away from Fulham. And, you know, if therefore you're right, if you're going to sack a manager, this appears to be the optimum time. There's, a, there's stats saying that if you sack your manager... Uh, I think it's before the end of November, if you're in the bottom three, I think you double your chance of survival. Yeah, so, there's an interesting article, I don't know if you gleaned this from there, on the BBC yesterday, and it was called Why Have No Premier League Managers Been Sacked Ooh. Yet? And 24 hours later, someone <laughs> heeded their advice. I got advice. it from Dean Jones' article on Bleacher Report about the sack race. Yeah, three weeks ago. <laughs> but it was, that, it was saying the same thing, that actually, generally, sacking your manager at this time of a season does and it's quite sad to say it work yeah I think if we get the new manager bounce before Southampton or during that Southampton game it could be massive for us because we've got a quite a hard set of fixtures afterwards it almost feels like you get the two weeks of mini pre-season a game that going into a game that we should be winning and we need to win and then it gives us the confidence to go and progress from there I think it's a smart move from Fulham as much as I don't want Jukanovic to have gone it does make sense. And Jack says it's optimum time for us to change. How's Claudio going to approach this team then? Do you think he'll know much about Fulham? Do you think he'll have done his research going into this job, Dean? I, For me, I mean, he's very much the tinker man. He doesn't always play exactly the same way. He was very well known for this counter-attacking style that he implemented at Leicester, but it's not really the only trick in his book. Yeah, I think for Fulham to have taken him on, he would have had to have impressed them um, any meetings that they've had so far. And I think that he would have to have a knowledge of the squad. I mean, you know, he, he would have obviously watched Fulham probably more now that they're in the Premier League than before we got to this point. But um, we now have a squad of players where you will know most of the individuals that are in there. I think that um, it's a test for Ranieri to turn things around quickly I think if you look back people talk about yeah well look what he did at Leicester Leicester were in such a good place when Ranieri took that job they were they'd come from a place under Nigel Pearson when I think they'd won seven out of nine or something like that I think Craig Shakespeare had had done great work behind the scenes as well and Ranieri didn't have to change too much um, everyone was happy they were playing a good style of football they were winning games at Fulham it's the complete opposite of that right now and there's the other point as well is on Mitrovic that me and Jack were talking about earlier on today is that he's at Fulham because of Slav Yeah, that's why he joined us I'm not saying he's now not going to want to be at Fulham but his main motivation mm-hmm. for wanting to be here in the first place was for that man and he now doesn't have him so 
please, Ranieri, win over Mitrovic early on and yeah. make sure that he wants to be part of this because that's so important. Between take, him, our... take him to your favourite Italian restaurant. <laughs> he's, he's made a decent start. He's obviously his first pictures he took next to Mitrovic's shirt. Yeah. So there you go. Good, it's already he's started. already started. Look, you know, there is, there's plenty to be said for that. I think it's something that also might be noted about Mitrovic is that you know, he, we had to win him round at Fulham. You know, he, this wasn't his first choice destination in that January. Yes, it helped that Slavisa was here. But, you know, we, we forget that he was going to Anderlecht and mm. their deal fell through, which actually was the reason he came back in, in yeah. the first place. So, you know, we had to win him over last season. And I think we did that. And I don't think that that was just Jakanovic, who over the summer will have made Mitrovic want to come back here. Fulham gave him the shirt. Fulham done the deals. Fulham paid the wages. All of those things which had nothing to do with Jukanovic. Yes, it obviously helped to have a manager who spoke his language and was obviously a hero to him. But I think he will have settled enough here now that there is more to Mitrovic's Fulham career than his manager. And uh, yeah, it's said in hope as much as anything else. But I can't see him now being like, oh, no, I'm not going to play for another manager. Speaking of the players, I really enjoyed Ryan Sessegnon's various social media posts about Slavisa. It just showed that he was highly thought of in the dressing room. I'd seen some murmurings about, oh, I think Slav's lost the dressing room in the past few weeks. But I think most of those players will be gutted at what's happened ultimately. But for many of this team, Ben, it's a new chance to impress themselves. And a a few fringe players, maybe the likes of Floyd Eite, Niskin Skabano, very much shut out in the past few months, now have a new opportunity to make themselves integral to this Fulham team. Yeah, I think I agree with that. And it's uh, it's almost a blank page for them because it seems like Slav has this tendency to, if he doesn't trust a player, to just discard them to the back of the squad almost. And we've barely seen Floyd feature. We haven't really seen Niskan's feature despite the fact he's had an injury. It does feel like it's a new start for them. And obviously, Ranieri will be able to speak French from his time in Nantes, so that will help with them. I think, I don't know if you guys agree, but Ranieri seems to be really hit and miss at times with the jobs that he takes. He gets He's had... Some good times with Leicester. He had half a good season with Nantes before falling apart after Christmas. They won, they won three games in the second half of last season. He done well at Monaco, but he completely bombed it in Greece, completely bombed in Valencia, and that's my biggest memory of him aside Leicester. And also wasn't particularly good for Inter, if memory serves me right as well. Did all right it, Chelsea. It, yeah, it did okay with Chelsea, but Ten it's second. sort of like... it's either, I'd take second now. It's either like, <laughs> with him, yeah. it's either hit or massive miss. I think as well, like, what seems to happen with him is he does win people over quickly and he gets people on board with his message, but it does fall apart. If you think the way it ended for him at Leicester, it was basically player power that forced Ranieri out the door in the end. It was the complete opposite from the fairy tale story when they won the league and Ranieri had built up this this good feeling in the club and then it all fell away and... Ranieri got a lot of the blame. They said that the he tried to change the formation too much. He changed too much of that winning team, and um, all said that Vardy and others in the end forced him out. Um, I've heard similarly that things didn't go great in his last job in France. That mm. once he started to lose grip and things weren't going so well, he quickly lost the dressing room. So. That's something for further in the future. I think the thing we should probably just focus on for now is that at least when he goes into those jobs, he seems to get a reaction and things do start off well. And that's what we need. He's a massively positive person in terms of his initial outlook. And, you know, maybe that's just from staring in from the outside. But he always seems to go around with a smile on his face. That will, one, endear him to fans. But two, if the squad are going through a pretty tough time right now, they you know don't seem to be able to get a win from anywhere. They're losing games they shouldn't be losing. 
you know, against sides like Huddersfield, who on the surface have less talent than Fulham, you know, that was a pure mentality thing. And it, it does seem to be very down at the, at the moment. So having someone who's positive and be- believes in those players and wants to work with them, which I'm assuming he does, considering he's taking the job, does give me hope that there will be that kind of new manager boost, the kind of big bounce and, and bring back that kind of air of optimism about the club because these players are good enough to survive in the Premier League. Let's not beat around it. Yeah. They're not maybe good enough to win the league, but it's, you know, yeah, okay. I, I don't want to speak too soon, but, um, but you know how it, you know how it is in, in terms of you, you get them going again, you, you restart the engines, you, you bring in some of the players that are on the sides and Ben mentioned it earlier about the French players and being able to speak French. I've worked out for going through his past jobs list and, and seeing what I can on the internet. I'm pretty sure he speaks every language that we need in the squad. He speaks Spanish, he speaks French, he speaks English, and he speaks Italian. And yeah, may he speak AK forty seven. Who knows? (laughs) He might not be able to speak bullet, but he um, (laughs) he he, um, yeah. The only language that I can spot that he doesn't speak is Serbian, but Mitrovic's English is fine. Well, and also unlike Slavisa, he can actually speak English. Yeah. Like, I haven't watched a manager interview for Fulham for about three years. And I, I love Slavisa, but there was no point. There was literally no point watching his pre-match press conferences because I just couldn't understand any other word apart from satisfied. Yeah. I, th- I think, do you know, with, with Slavisa, and I mean, I was a massive fan and everything, but he's died on his principles, hasn't he? And yeah. he seems to be a very stubborn man, like... Things like he hasn't bothered to learn the English too well. And I think that's part of who he is because he probably feels that's a waste of his time because he'll find a way to be successful in another way. And it's the same fact as, like, obviously he's got a massive problem with the transfer policy, that's clear. Um, And he's got a a big problem with the fact that the players that were brought in he didn't want, so he didn't play a lot of them. And ultimately that's been our big downfall. And the centre-backs that were brought in, he hasn't played and he's tried to other people there and it's been a disaster. So... While I really, really like him and I admire him, he has been his own worst enemy, hasn't he? And that's yeah. that's the one thing in the back of my mind is like, I guess they are right to sack him because the results haven't been good enough and it probably is because he just made bad decisions. Is there anything to read into the fact that Slavisa was a head coach and Claudia Ranieri is a manager? I don't think so. I, I think that we're all overplaying that massively in terms of, I think when Slavisa took the job, well, you know, we've spoken to various people around the club about this You know, over the last two years. When Slavisa took the job, the recruitment panel was different to how it is now. And we saw the club saying last summer that at the start, Slavisa didn't really have a say, but as, as it went along, they got more involved in transfers. I think that's just a representative of, of how the, t- the role has changed. I think Slavisa was still a head coach in name, but actually nominally was a manager in terms of the Fulham manager, I don't think will ever have full say on transfers, but he had a say at that point. And we spoke to people who said that last last summer and the summer before. So when it changed and that kind of shift came in, that was when the shift went from head coach to manager. I don't think it was ever just reflected in the title. Mm. Okay, well, we'll take a quick break. Uh, Afterwards, we'll look at maybe some of the other candidates uh, that Fulham potentially might have looked at uh, and what Claudio Ranieri is going to need to do to turn Fulham's form around. Hello, I'm Lucas Piazon and you're listening to Fulhamish Podcast. Fulhamish has teamed up with OneFootball, the only football app that you need this season. Uh, You can get it on both the App Store and on Google Play. Using personalised news feeds, push notifications and a user-friendly interface, OneFootball makes it easy to keep up to date with the latest transfer news, scores and stats in one central place. Check out the OneFootball app and let us know what you think of it. 
Hi everyone, I'm Jen. And I'm Jess. We're the hosts of the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to tell you about Strivectin's new Super C Retinol Brighten and Correct Vitamin C Serum. We often interview dermatologists on our podcast and two of their favorite skincare ingredients to recommend are retinol and vitamin C. This Strivectin serum has both in one lightweight layerable formula. It also helps to smooth fine lines and it's clinically proven to visibly brighten and firm skin. If you want to learn more about Strivectin's new Super C Retinol Brighten and Correct Vitamin C Serum, Visit strivectin.com. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast, emergency podcast time. My name's Sammy James, Ben Jarman's here. Hello. Jack Collins is here. Yo. And we still got Dean Jones hanging out with us Hello. as well. You've got your uh, the two-fifth event tonight, haven't you? Uh, with, have. uh, with David Lloyd's book. Big night. Um, you ready for your big you know? speech? Yeah, I've got to be on the stage answering questions. I wonder what people are going to be asking about. <laughs> no, I'm really looking forward to it though and... Um, you know, I th- apparently the book's amazing as well, so I'm definitely going to grab a copy while I'm down there, obviously. And David Lloyd, proper Fulham legend, by the way. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Very much a hero around these parts. Um, speaking of, if you want David Lloyd's Toothed book, you can still purchase it right now. Uh, you can purchase it from the Toothed website, or you can actually purchase it from our website as well. If you go to fullamish.co.uk forward slash shop, uh, it's available there, and uh, you should be able to purchase yourself a copy, and David will get it to you by hook or by crook. So you're going to say you're going to sign it for him? <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> well, no, we... You don't want it ruined by Sammy. <laughs> David might sign it for you. you can get, maybe you can get Jack Collins to sign it for you. He's a celebrity it'd be worth Only when I get on the jungle. <laughs> um, just mentioning the FST, actually, I kind of forgot to raise this point, is that the Fulham Supporters Trust had a meeting with Alistair McIntosh, CEO, on Monday, and they released their notes this morning about that meeting. And, I mean, maybe even an hour before the, the news broke about the visa, and they said that he had his... Well, I'm not. I'm, I might backing. be misquoting, but yeah, pretty much full backing. This is what winds me up so much. Okay, so I'm a journalist, and constantly you get battered by people saying lazy journo, liar, fake news, all this kind of stuff. Football clubs lie far more than the journalists that I know. <laughs> Everything they put out is just to protect themselves, and these statements that they come out with, like. I've been saying to people, no, there's no way that the Khans would have come out with this statement backing him. Like, this is legit. Like, I spoke to people at at the last home game as well. Everyone seems really like they're going to give him time. Here we are. I think you know. Look, that statement that statement from the Carnes was pre Bournemouth, wasn't it? That was that was the program it was in. You were in it too, weren't you? I was. Yeah, Um, but. You, you look at that statement and then you look at the performances against Bournemouth and Huddersfield. We played all right against Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Shard's come and made that statement, I think. You know, come out being like, let's let's call this before it gets too hot. We've basically Fair. just lost to Arsenal. Like, it's okay. We're all, we're all chilling. And then he watches us get absolutely dismantled by Bournemouth. And then he watches us listlessly lose to Huddersfield. Mm. I'm not surprised that he's changed his mind. I've changed my mind as well. Imagine you didn't see much and then you saw that and you'd be like, actually, this is a mess. Do you reckon Fulham, go. Do you reckon Fulham, the plan in action started after Huddersfield? Uh, surely. And it was just a case of we haven't got someone in time for the Liverpool match. No point in changing it a day before we go to Anfield. Yeah. I would imagine that's exactly what happened. Um, let's have a think about the other people that Fulham may have contacted. They did say that they spoke to numerous candidates. Uh, they were quite clear that it was a unanimous decision to go for Claudio Ranieri. And when you've got someone that won the title with Leicester two seasons ago, you can see why he was such a front runner um, in the list. Uh, who else do we reckon might have been in contact? Do you think any of the 
kind of big Sams, Pardews, David Moyes of the world. Probably not. Would have been not. contacted. No, I don't think so. I, I think there is like an idea of an identity at Fulham. Yeah, and I, I think agree. they have shown faith in that. And yes, Ranieri is not a fluid Cruyff disciple in the way that maybe some of the other people we might discuss here are. But he does have a, a penchant for good football. He is an actual football man. He, he you know, is up to date with the modern game. And yes, he's a little bit more defensive and reactive than some other managers are. But he's not a, you know, lump it long route one and never has been. And I think that it's probably a good thing that we're looking at those kind of managers. Wenger was the one that interested me. That was tapped around the telegraph this morning. Would you have liked it? Would I have liked it if I think, yeah, of course I would. Yeah, of course I would. I would have been quite up for yeah. it, I've got to admit. I'd have been straight up to the Arsenal fan TV studios. <laughs> <laughs> all about, I'm all about the views. I'm, yeah. yeah, Robbie Lyle on one line, DT on the other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, surely there was no chance of Wenger actually happening. Well, no, Aaron, he just shut it down. Was yeah, like, he didn't right, even entertain the idea, did he? <laughs> he like, he be... said not that long ago he'd never manage in England again. Yeah, precisely. He? So yeah. it was probably worth a shot, though. Do you reckon people like maybe Lopetegui or Leonardo Jardim were, were in the frame? You'd imagine that they'd have tried to at least speak to them. Yeah. You could see them going for Lopetegui. Or yeah. I, I think either. I imagine they probably approached both. You have to. I think Why you'd approach you? pretty much everyone, wouldn't you? you yeah, just, of course. Like, as in, aside from the people we've just mentioned, but top-level managers in the game. We're a Premier League club with backing, funding. We've spent 100 million. There's good players here who are, who are talented and plenty of the season left. You'd probably approach everyone you could. Yeah, I think you're not doing your job properly if you don't. I mean, the first two names this morning that came straight into my phone were Carver Howe and Sanchez Flores were the two names that were mentioned to me straight away. Um, so it looks like, to be honest, they've had a pretty wide net with this, I think that they have explored a lot of options. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all that they've been looking more continental than British. And to be honest, when you look at the kind of British names that are out there, it's easy to see why. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I want them to do yeah. that. Aside from maybe an Eddie Howe or something like that, who just would never have <laughs> taken. I don't think Eddie Howe would leave Bournemouth for anyone apart from maybe City. Like that's how like to England. the point it's got. Yeah. yeah, England. Okay, but for a Premier League team, yeah. I think they offered him the Arsenal job. He'd be like, "No, you're all right." Well, he's tried it before and it didn't work out. Didn't <laughs> yeah, so. so <laughs> once need it again. I guess when you are successful at a kind of stable Premier League club, you have to be really confident you're going to be making a progression because you look at someone like Lopetegui. If you make the wrong decision, your career can go up in smoke within within months. And I guess for Ranieri, this does feel like a bit of a free hit for him he always will have that Premier League in his back pocket so maybe in that case that is a bit of a thing to worry about does Ranieri need this to be a success Slav needed Fulham to be a success does Ranieri need this to go well or if it all kind of goes up in flames in eight months and he walks off is it his reputation is kind of still intact kind of I, I imagine he probably wouldn't get another English job but he'll be fine on the continent I mean, he's 67. He can't be exactly thinking that he's going to be managing for years and years to come. I find it we so like strange when you're a 67-year-old yeah. man. Like, Roy Hodgson, I, I always wonder this with, what is his motivation to continue? What do you want to achieve at that point? But anyone, I'm only going to speak about um, Roy Hodgson here, but they say he's as driven as ever because he just cannot imagine his life without football and he yeah. just wouldn't function in the same way. So I'm hoping that... Because um, one of the first things I, I did today was look up how old Ranieri was yeah. because I thought he was 70. I thought he's got to be. Um, so I'm quite pleased he wasn't quite there yet. <laughs> but I guess at that stage of your life, like there's your family and if you've got football's your love and your joy and that's what brings you everything, then 
then embrace it, I guess. And they get these long breaks, don't they? They get six months to, I don't know, sit in their chateau and uh, improve their wine cellar or whatever they kind of do in their spare time. Then they get a job for a couple of years. Then they go do something for six Absolutely. months. It's not a terrible My biggest life. fear with it, and this does happen with Roy Hodgson, I know because I've spoken to people about it, is that he cannot relate to the modern day 18, 19 year old footballer. He just can he just doesn't get it he he just can't bring himself to understand why they do the things they do why they think the way they do why they dress the way they do and he literally employs people to kind of become the bridge between him and the players to help him get the best out of them um i don't know if that's the case with ranieri i don't know how he is in terms of being relatable he's italian so he's probably more into fashion than they are <laughs> <laughs> hopefully but you know what i mean I, I i do think that's the one yeah. issue i have with with old, older managers is somebody like ryan sessignon who's absolutely adored slav and, and really respects everything he's done for him um how does he deal with him, basically? 100%. It kind of makes me feel like Cess this year could be our, our version of Damari Gray. They kind of feel like they're at the same point in their career when Ranieri took them over. And I think you can do big bits for for Cess or Ranieri. I, one of the things that I'm really excited about is how, how we compare up our players to those that Leicester had. And like how, can we, how do we compare going forward? And what style of football we're actually going to play? Well, let's come on to that. That was kind of my next point is... What do you think Claudio's going to do with this team? There was a lot of comparison from the Leicester team and how counter-attacking they were. And I was doing a radio interview earlier where they were saying maybe they could make players like Sessegnon, Vieto, Scherler work into a really counter-attacking system. I think that's a little bit of an oversimplification of how it's necessarily going to work. But what kind of style do we expect to see Fulham play, Ben? Well, I hope I don't... Well, I definitely hope... It's hard for you to say, because I know that you've got literally nothing to go on, but... Well, we know what we've played before. He likes a rigid 4-4-2 that's a bit more defensive than, than most managers. But one thing I don't want to see is Kevin McDonald in a part of that too, because it just makes me feel a bit sick. <laughs> uh, I just feel a bit queasy watching him trying to like cover as much ground as Ndidi does and Kante did and, and drink water. But I think we, we will see more out of Seri and I think he'll be able to get more out of Seri because he'll be able to communicate with him in French and I think we'll put him more at the f- the focal point of, of our formation this year going forward for the rest of the season. I don't know how someone like Tom Kearney is going to benefit from, from uh, Ranieri because Slav had him at the focal point of everything good that we done last year and he just doesn't seem to fit right now. I think you'd be mad to suggest that he will play a four four two off the outset. Our side isn't built for it. We're not we're not built as a four four two side. We don't have the one, we don't have the legs in the middle to, to cover a four four two as we are right now. And also, yes, his time at Leicester was characterized by that formation, but it's not been his most used formation throughout his career. You'd be interested to know. Okay, and what is four two three one has actually been Ranieri's standard formation ah. through plenty of his years. Which might work, you know, given what happened at Liverpool. You know, I think it will be not the kind of 4-2, expansive 4-2-3-1 that we might be expecting. But I think that there might be something in it. And I think that there might be a way that Tom Kearney still plays a massive role for this. Because, you know, you imagine that if he's looked at this squad, looked at the ability levels in it and, and, and assessed them correctly, he will see that Tom Kearney is a player, if not the most talented player in our squad, probably second. And... And you look for a way to 
incorporate your most talented players in order to win football games. And I think that we will see him start with a 4-2-3-1 in order to make everybody else work. He's also, you know, an intelligent football man. He'll come in, he'll look at this squad, he'll think about it, and he'll work out a system which gets the best out of certain players rather than just assuming that we're going to play the exact same way as another side might have done. Leicester played that way because they had to. They didn't really have any other choice. They didn't have the players to play any other way. It was also but, working week in, week out. Yeah, of course. But it didn't, you know, it, it was always that. It, it, they didn't really ever shift from that 4-4-2. They went to a 4-4-1-1 sometimes with Mahrez behind Vardy. But most of the time, they just played one formation. What he'll do is he'll work out the formation that suits the team best and go from there. Yeah, it's not going to be the same style as the way that Leicester won the league. There's no way we're going to suddenly start playing like that. We just haven't got the, the same characters in the team. I think that... I be concerned if I was Scherler probably I'm not mm. sure how he'll fit into a Claudio Ranieri team yeah. from what I've seen in the past um, I think that at fullback is probably where I'm a bit more confident that he'll just find people that actually fit into roles I think we won't see Adoy at centre back anymore and I'd suggest probably we'll see him at right back um, and at left back Hopefully not Cess. It's surely going to be Joe Bryan. He's surely close. That, that's the one thing. Like With Slav having these clear issues in his head with playing certain players yeah. in a certain position, hopefully at least with Ranieri coming in, blank canvas, looks at Joe Bryan goes, OK, decent left black, you're playing. OK, Adoy, yeah, you do a job at right back, you're playing. OK, who's my centre-backs? And just go through the team logically. Mawson, yeah, why not? So hopefully that we can start at least from that point of view and they've got these um, this style of football already ingrained in them that isn't going to disappear overnight. We're still going to play that good football. Indeed. Well, shall we uh, get into the question bag? Uh, yeah. We've had plenty coming in this afternoon, as you would imagine. By the way, if you want some more Fulham reaction, uh, there's loads currently right now uh, jack and i did an instagram live earlier uh we've got an article uh, just with some thoughts of slav and this uh which ben compiled just various fulhamish voices jack kelly did an instant uh reaction which he filmed and put on the youtube channel so there's loads of content out there from fulhamish um about the Slavisa and Claudio stuff. So if you need some further reading once this podcast is finished, then there is uh, plenty out there. I mean, there's plenty out there generally. Um, it feels like it's been a huge, huge story in football today. I guess with it being an international break and there are less other football going on, it just feels like an even bigger story. If there was maybe Champions League tonight or something yeah. like that, then maybe the major outlets wouldn't be quite so focused on it but I think most outlets today went thank god we got something to talk about <laughs> I think you're right exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, questions Jack yes uh, I'm going to start with this one from Sam FFC I'm going to start with you Dean because you are knowledgeable in these fields hey. and he says any players you think Fulham could sign in January with Ranieri coming in oh fair enough Okay, well, um, Robert Huth was mentioned to me earlier on today Shut up. as somebody that <laughs> no. they think is available and Oop. will be on the cards. I mean, I haven't looked into that beyond that phone call, um, but, yeah. I mean, we, we've had problems at centre-half. Robert Huth, I'm not sure, is going to be the answer, so I hope <laughs> that that's wrong. I think that... Um, Listen, we're going to come to January. Fulham have already, will already have their targets for January. Claudio Ranieri coming in right now isn't going to change the fact that Fulham will already have assigned certain positions that they want to strengthen and targets that they're going to go for. To be honest, I don't think... Target a pun there because it might well have been. Well, actually, target is interesting now. When you look back in hindsight at 
Jukanovic uh, and the amount of money he wanted them to go and spend on Matt Target. He was he was like, if it takes twenty million to get Target, go and get me Matt Target because that will keep me happy. And now you look at what's happened at left back since the season began, and you're like. Okay, well, I guess seeing as he didn't actually supposedly choose any of the other players apart from Mitrovic, that's that will be one of his big bugbears. Yeah, you're a fan of. Uh, I mean, sorry, Danny, I've only given you Robert Huth there. Danny Drinkwater <laughs> is is out of the Chelsea squad, out of the you know the eighteen, out of the, the match day squad, pretty much. Loan six month loan probably do a job for us. Probably would do a job for us. And I was speaking to a Leicester fan on Monday and. Uh, we were talking about Danny Drinkwater specifically and he said that he was just such a good player during that Leicester team and so much of the credit went to Vardy, went to Mares, went to Kante in particular. But Dr- Danny Drinkwater was kind of forgotten man and he would put in performance after performance that season, was so controlling in the centre of midfield. It was a bizarre signing that he went to Chelsea for £30 million, which is, is utterly ludicrous, even by today's standards, that Danny Drinkwater was worth that much. But yeah, would, it, would I take him at Fulham? Probably. Of course you would. Yeah, 100%. I think we'll probably get another striker in coming yeah, in January. We've only got one. Got really, it, haven't, haven't we? we? Yeah. And a lot I'll, of people asking for Jamie Vardy. Don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, not really sure about that. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple. We've, we've had a couple of people asking for about tactical changes. I think we've kind of addressed that. I quite enjoy Clint McClendon's. How soon does Mitrovic get a red? <laughs> well, how soon does he get a yellow? Because obviously he's only one away, as we discussed. If Mitro's getting sent off, it's Chelsea in a couple of weeks. Be good value though, to be fair. Um, Brendan, glory. Brendan <laughs> yeah, was asked, we're one nil up and he's in the corner. <laughs> do we need to print new bingo cards or should we just cross out Slavisa and write in Claudia? <laughs> well, the weird thing about Leicester is he lost the Tinkerman reputation a little bit, didn't he, when he was there? He barely changed the squad week in, week out. So yeah. I'll be interested to see how much tinkering he does. At Hopefully not as much as Slav. What do you mean? He's surely... It's almost impossible. What was to it do. like? Thirty-six changes in the opening twelve <laughs> games. I think we yeah. still have. Have we actually still? Wolves have played thirteen players. We played thirty-six. Was <laughs> that mean? Like crazy. Yeah, and when you look at some of those stats for Fulham this season, you do wonder: was the writing on the wall? There's kind of the romantic element to Slav, and it's all so sad because it's he brought us such happy memories. And then when you actually look at the stats, you do just have to say, "Well, <laughs> you kind you kind of had it." coming but yeah. yeah I don't I don't know it'd be interesting to see whether he makes yeah there's way changes. too much emotion for me embroiled in what, deciding whether this is the right decision or not because yeah. I just want to say no straight away but deep down I think it might be there's a couple of uh, big questions I suppose this one's from BC Brown he says two questions one Tony Khan gets blamed a lot for the summer business but what if these were Slav suggestions it could explain some of his tactical decisions this year and two, the sign that something was wrong at Fulham was actually visible in all the departures from Slavisa's coaching slash academy staff. Clearly there was some fissure. What might Ranieri's staff look like and will Scott Parker stay on? Well, initial signs on the website at the moment is that Scott Parker is going to stay on because he's the only profile that remains from Slavisa's coaching team. Um, I do think he's got a point there in that a lot of the coaches that Slav had has left in the early part of the season and over the course of the summer you had Stuart Gray and you've had a couple more. But a source from Sky, I believe it was, said that there were six backroom staff coming in with Ranieri and that he'll be forming his own sort of, I guess, team like Slav did. So Actually, it's, it's interesting you say that. You just reminded me of something that somebody else told me earlier on today. I, I asked, sources say. Well, yeah, I spoke to a guy that, that covered Leicester all, all through the glories and then the downfall. And I said, you know, what should we expect? And he said that 
it's not. He said with Ranieri, you won't have too much trouble dealing with him. The press will like him and all the rest of it. It really depends who he brings with him on what kind of mood will be around the camp. He said because at Leicester there was a lot of the coaching staff around him that kind of just kept themselves to themselves. You couldn't, they were unapproachable for even a lot of the players as well as anyone else around the club, he said, and it became a massive problem. So that's something to look out for, especially if there's that many coming in. Mm -hmm. There's a question pretty much on this from Stephen Watson. He says, can you guys discuss Leicester City under Nigel Pearson and Claudio's takeover? He still had Pearson's backroom staff when they won the EPL. Was he just gifted a great team or can we really expect him to change things? I think it's an interesting point. Yeah, he was gifted a good team. He was gifted a team on the up and it was, a, as we said at the beginning of the show, a, a happy squad. And um, But I think if you were to look at our squad player for player on paper, I mean, we've got a decent squad and I think Ranieri, that would be one of the big positives of him coming in player for player I'm going to put a go out on a limb and say that this squad is better than the Leicester City squad that won the title really player for player but Mares, Kante yeah, obviously they're the three players that you're going to take away and, and but the thing is I guess at it. the start of that season they weren't those players that they were by no, the end of that yeah. season So, and I think you're probably right like I think if you were to look through our, our squad you could say okay well could Sessegnon be like Mares? Potentially, yeah, I guess he can be. Could, could Mitrovic be like Vardy? Yeah, could... Um, who was the other player we talked about? Kante. We haven't Kante. got one of them. Uh, no, we're struggling for that. Ibrahim Assis. We've got, <laughs> we've got <laughs> Seri. I mean, Seri was supposed to be joining Barcelona. Like, Yeah, of course. Potentially Seri's our Kante. Den- Dennis Adoy has a CDM. And, oh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> to to toes cold at that yeah, one. Yeah, no, no, it was bad. Uh, Luke Resch asked us, how many points do you think we'll pick up in Ranieri's first three games? Do you think it'll be more or less than if Slav was still in charge for them? I think that's a fair point. Mm. Well, it, I mean, it surely Nine, by be. the way, Luke. Yeah. Nine. <laughs> it has to be if more. If you get that, five, I'll be delighted. This is something that I've said today. I mean, the answer to, to Luke's specific question is you would like to get four to six points out of those games at the end of the day Chelsea away is Chelsea away um, if, but if anyone's going to do it well Claudio it is, I mean it is quite something that Chelsea and Leicester are in his first three games as, as Fulham manager and no doubt there'll be a lot of attention around those but if you can get four points out of Chelsea Southampton Leicester you know that's a decent return if you look at the next five home games I've banged on about this in a couple of places today it's Southampton, Leicester, West Ham, Wolves, Huddersfield. Now, okay, it's not no there is no easy game in the Premier League really, but that is a good home run and actually the home run in the new year is really really difficult. If you can get 12 points out of those five games, which isn't beyond the realms of possibility. It's difficult, it's a good return, but 12 points, then Fulham has... would be all right, to be fair. Yeah. Fulham mm. has 17 points going into the new year, assuming, and that would be assuming that we lost every single away game. And there is a couple of away games, like you, you'd like to think... You've might... forgotten that we're going to beat Chelsea at the bridge again. I, I and stop forgetting it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we've got Newcastle away, you'd like to maybe hope that we could get mm-hmm. something out of the Newcastle game. If we have played pretty much half our games and have 17 points, I imagine we are quite clear of the relegation zone. So it's important that he takes these home games and gets some points out of them. And that, and I'm sure that will be what the Khans and the powers of B will have looked at that fixture list and realised how important that, that run of games at Craven Cottage is. I think it will change as well the atmosphere of the way that these home games are approached from now on. I don't know what you guys think, but with the Southampton game, although I was looking forward to it for a chance for Slav to turn things around... 
I also knew that if those first 10 minutes weren't great, there was a chance it would go to poison. that it starts yep. to turn. And it hasn't really done that up to now. I think that's probably one of the only positives I'm taking from this is that Slav never... Huddersfield, it turned a bit. Did it? Yeah, see, I wasn't there. But... Um, I think that's you, one. You, no one, no one can hear our disgruntlement over the bloody drum, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the cow shed. That's the least. It was just like I've got a headache. This drum keeps banging on, and we're rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it was low points all round at that point. But what do you think the atmosphere will be like for the Southampton game? Yeah, it's going to be really be positive. It'll be quite yeah, buoyant atmosphere there. I think there's a lot of excitement. Uh, although everyone seems to be tinged with sadness because we've lost a guy that's been the, cat- the catalyst for these past two and a half years and turned our club around. Well, this is an exciting appointment, although I sort of don't see it lasting more than a year. <laughs> it's an exciting year. I think you're yeah. right. You know, I think also there's something like if this was this Saturday, I think there'd still be a bit of disgruntlement. But on Saturday, like I think people would still be upset. But because there's two weeks and people will just simmer down about Slavisa. Sure. And, you know, it might flare back up again in March or whatever. Slav will probably have a doing, new job by the time we're playing our next game. If we're not doing well in March, it will simmer back up again about people saying it was the wrong decision. But on two weeks' time, it was simmered down. People have forgotten a bit about it. The pain will have gone away. And it's just like new manager bounce, huge game. People will be up for that. I'm pretty sure it's going to be buzzing at the cottage that day. No. Exactly. Well, it's going to be a big one. I hope you enjoyed the uh, emergency. Is that all the questions, by the way? It, there's a lot of questions, but I hope that we've ad- addressed quite a lot of them over the course. There was a lot about tactics. There was a lot about you know those kind of things. So I hope that we've addressed those over the course of the podcast as such. Indeed. Well, yeah, emergency podcast today. We certainly weren't planning to do it, but we've uh, managed to assemble the troops uh, and glad we've done it because it was good to get some insight, especially for, from yourself, Dean. Uh, nice to, to have you on the podcast. I feel better now than I did when we started the pod, so I'm feeling a bit more confident and a bit, I've mourned a little as well, so thank you. <laughs> we've all uh, let off a little bit of steam. Well, um, Fulhamish will be back uh, on Monday. We're going to be releasing the stats show um, that Ben did. Yeah, we recorded it last night, which is great timing, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it shouldn't affect things too much. At the end of the day, you're looking at the Fulham team mostly rather than yeah. specifically Slav. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, but we'll release that uh, next week. Then there'll be a Fulhamish extra uh, with Jack looking ahead to the Southampton there game, um, which is obviously just taking on even more significance. It was already a big, big game. But uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, next week with Fulhamish Extra. Uh, to Ben Jarman, thank you very much for being here today. Thanks, Sammy. Cheers for the opportunity for some closure. Exactly. Uh, Jack, what are we naming the podcast today? Time to say goodbye. Time to say Let's goodbye. Let's cross that over because your man Bocelli's a big pal of Claudio, isn't he? <laughs> Mate, well, in two years when we've won the Premier League in 2019, I hope that uh, Andrew has flown over to, to Craven Cottage to, uh, to sing the same song. I would agree. I would agree. Um, Jack, thanks for being here. Thank you very much, Sam. And Dean, good to have you on as well. Cheers, Sam. Uh, we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening. See you later. Right. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. This spooky season, have a listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, a podcast about Greek mythology that tells it honestly and often with a lot of gore, at least when it comes to these spooky season episodes. Every week in October, I have released a new episode with various levels of spooky in Greek mythology. There are ancient stories of haunted houses, ghosts, 
werewolves, general tragedy, and even a very bloody tree. Greek mythology has a little something for everyone, especially when it comes to spooky season. So listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, every week, wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 A-cast.